So I thought I would share with you a, um, a nightmare that I had just this last night. And I, and, and I have to recognize that what's a nightmare for me may not be a nightmare for you. But I'm going to share my nightmare uh, that I woke up from. And it was this. I, um, basically, I, I woke up standing in front, halfway through a sermon I didn't know, I had no idea what I was even saying or what I had just said, but I was right in the, I mean, I woke up and I was in the middle of it. And sometimes I wonder, like, when I'm, when I'm standing up here and I'm talking and I'm looking, there's things going on in my mind, I'm thinking about, hey, there's so-and-so, or man, I haven't seen them for a while, and at the same time, I'm still, you know, speaking. And so it was, uh, it was a little bit unsettling to wake up and not know what I had just said and where I was, what I was supposed to say next. So that was a nightmare for me. That may not be a nightmare for you, but it certainly, uh, it certainly was for me. Fortunately for you, I'm wide awake, and, uh, and I have my notes right here, so we're ready to go. And we are in the middle, uh, or coming towards the end, I guess, of January. <clears throat> and as part of what we're doing in January, we've, we've been going through kind of our vision uh, for this uh, 2018 and we've been talking about changing lives, loving others, and then this morning, growing followers. And I hope that this is beginning to resonate in your head. Like, what is our church about? Our church, what we want to see happen, we want to see lives changed by the power of God's good news in their life. We want to see people loved on as they come into this place, as we go out of this place, that we are all about loving others. And that even this, this morning as we talk about growing followers, I, I understand this in a couple of different ways. I see that we want to be followers of Jesus that are growing deeper in our faith, that we're growing to know God better, that we're understanding what it means to uh, live as followers of Christ. And so we're growing as followers, but at the same time, we are hoping that we are seeing other people, that we are growing, that we are a place where people come into uh, our our church walls and our challenge to grow deeper in their faith and so we are growing as followers and that we are raising up and growing uh, followers of Jesus and I want to be clear right up front that this morning we are just going to scratch the surface and I should say as it relates to changing lives and loving others that we've already talked about uh, during this month it's just a scratch on the surface. It's something that we will revisit. We will continue to talk about what it means as a church to be involved in those things. But when we think about growing as followers, we are, this morning we are just going to scratch the surface. Because I, I just believe it's so essential that you find a place, that you find a small group, that you find a Bible study, that you find a mentor, a place where you are regularly confronted with what it means to follow Christ. If you call yourself a Christ follower, if you call yourself a Christian this morning, it's essential that you find a place that you are being confronted on a regular basis on what it means to grow and follow Jesus. And I want to make this commitment as I stand before you and as I jump into what we have for this morning, I want to make a commitment to you as your leader that that's what my life is about. That from the moment I became a Christ follower to this moment and as I move on to the end of my life, I always make it a goal of mine to be growing deeper in my faith. And I am making sure 
that I have the, the places and the uh, resources in my life that are going to keep me growing in my faith. I'm making that commitment to you, that I, do, I will not stop growing to know and love God in a deeper way. So, so the question is, what's the goal? We want to be growing followers. What, what's the target? What are we looking at? How do I know when I get there? And what's the process to get there? Those are all fair questions, right? If we want to be growing as followers of Jesus, what's the goal? What is, when I, how will I know when I've arrived? And what's going to be the process of me getting there? Those are all legitimate questions, and I wish I could button it all up in the next 25 minutes, and that's not going to happen. But I hope that when you walk out of here, you have a better understanding of what you're shooting for and how you're structuring your life to get it done. Because that's what we want to be about as we think about growing as followers of Jesus. Now, uh, my man Tim Keller, uh, who's a pastor back in New York, is, is a, a gentleman I, I love to listen to. And he, when he did a sermon on gospel change, the change that happens when we come into a relationship with God. And he talked about the difference between organic change versus mechanical change. And it, it really helped me understand this whole idea of organic versus mechanical. And he said organic change is like, um, or organic growth is like a tree, and mechanical growth is like a pile of bricks. A tree grows slowly. It's a, it's a process. It changes over a very, a very uh, long time. A pile of bricks grows as the machine spits them out. And it, 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 just, it just keeps going. There's no, uh, it's it just keeps happening. And his point is that when we think about spiritual growth and growth as followers, that we want to shoot for this organic growth that's a, that's a process that takes some time, but it is much more meaningful. So let me make a distinction in my mind between organic and mechanical growth. Mechanical growth in my mind is artificial it's, it happens in the head, but not necessarily in the heart. So it's, it's, it's head knowledge. It, it, it uh, develops routines and rituals. Um, it can be unstable. And it's, it happens from the outside in. And, and an example of this for me would be this whole idea of, idea of uh, PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs. There are, there are cultural expectations for... People that are involved in this is primarily with athletes that they are needing to perform at a certain level, and there is so much pressure on them <clears throat> to perform at a certain level that they will do whatever it takes. And so, what they end up relying on in many cases—not I'm not going to say this happens in all cases—but what happens is that they they want to uh, have this growth or this achievement happen at whatever cost, and so it becomes very mechanical in the sense and artificial in that they will find a drug that will enhance their ability to perform. And there's all sorts of consequences that come along with that. In the short term, it looks wonderful. They perform great. They see improvements in what they're doing. But in the long term, there's consequences for that. And so there's that pressure that's put on us, this expectation that we need to look and perform a certain way. And, and so we end up establishing some kind of mechanical way of making it happen so people will be impressed. Now, certainly it happens in the physical realm with athletes. There's no question about that. My question today is, does it happen in the spiritual realm? Is it possible that, that Christians are capable of 
of creating mechanical growth in their life so that they look a certain way, but there's really no substance to what they're doing. And I'm going to suggest that there is. And so I want to contrast that idea of mechanical growth with organic. Organic growth, in my mind, is more authentic and genuine. Uh, there's an intentional process that involves, that develops character, that it starts from the inside and works its way out. Now, we live in an agricultural community, so we understand a little bit about how this works organically, that there is, when, when someone is planting something in the ground, they, they prep the ground, they cultivate the ground, and then they have great patience as they're waiting for this crop to grow. Our man Herschel Couch planted uh, a number of months ago some seeds out in our north uh, area out here, our north acreage. I saw the tractors do it. I knew the seed was in the ground, and I kept wondering, when are those darn things going to pop up? Because it just seemed like nothing was happening. But there was something happening. It was happening underground. It needed some water. Some water fell. And sure enough, before you know it, things start growing out of the ground. So just because I didn't see anything happening doesn't mean that nothing was happening. There was something going on. The ground had been prepared. It had been cultivated. The seed had been put into ground. And then there has to be this patience, this attention to the process, and growth happens. Growth happens. So when we think about this, I want to propose that there are three stages of our transformation, this change that happens in our life. And I believe all of us go through these changes. And, and I'm going to obviously challenge you this morning to consider where are you in this process? Where are you in this, these stages of transformation? And so the first stage is birth. In John chapter 3, Jesus was, was uh, it was an evening, and there was a gentleman that came to him. His name was Nicodemus. And Nicodemus came to him and asked him about the things he had been teaching. And Jesus basically said, listen, you're not going to understand the things of God until you are born again. And Nicodemus wanted to know what was What's this all about? What's happening? What are you talking about? And so Jesus explains what it means to be born of the Spirit, to be born anew. And so this metaphor, this idea of, of this picture of a baby being born is prevalent within the New Testament. That birth is the first step. That when we come to faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are born again. We are made new. Second, second uh, Corinthians 5.17, I used it a couple weeks ago. That when, when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. We are born again. And so that's the picture. But it goes on from there. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he says this, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So there's that picture of an infant, of a baby, spiritual baby. In Hebrews 5, listen to this. The author of Hebrews says, We have much more to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. The idea is here is, yeah, when we come to faith, we are born again. We become a spiritual baby. But boy, you better not stay there. 
If, you, if your understanding of God and your faith is the same as it was when you came to faith, we've got a problem. If you are a spiritual baby and you say you've been a Christian for 15 years, 20 years, and you haven't seen any kind of development within your life, there's a problem. There's a problem. So the first stage is birth, that we've got to have this faith in Jesus. We come to this, this saving faith, this idea of salvation, and we become a spiritual baby. The second step is growth, and that's where I want us to land this morning because I believe growth is where most of us are going to find ourselves in this process. But the question is, what does this look like? How do I pursue this idea of spiritual growth. So if you would find uh, Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. So if you'd find that in your, in your Bible this morning, it's got a lot for us on this understanding of spiritual growth. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 7. Here's what it says. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So I want us to identify three kind of key ideas, three words within this passage that I believe help us to understand this process or this stage of our spiritual transformation, this idea of growth. And the first word is, or the first idea is, to continue. He says, continue to live. Literally, this word means to walk. To walk in the ways that you have learned. Paul wants them to, their present, and and their present conduct to conform to what they first believed. This that you believed in when you came to faith, when, you became, when your life changed and you came to faith, you need to continue in that. You need to continue to live in that way. This is the, this is the gospel message. This is the good news of Jesus. This is what we need to build our life on. We've, this is what changed our life. We need to continue to live in that way. The second big idea is this idea of being rooted now the greek word that's used for rooted is in the perfect tense and i was explaining in our, in our uh, bible study in the first hour a lot of times we miss the tense when we think about the words that we read in english it's like present past or whatever but we don't really we need to understand that there's a there's a lot going on when we think about the tense that the word was written in and this word rooted was in the perfect tense and that suggests a once and for all experience that means that i was rooted i have been rooted i am rooted it was a once and for all event that happened we have been rooted in this knowledge in this faith i put an oak tree up there uh, for you because as i was thinking about it Uh, This week I did just a little bit of research on trees and oak trees. And you know, the oak tree sends this taproot that goes down deep into the ground to find water. And then there's this lateral spread of roots that spread out to give the tree stability. And the system is incredible. But you know, it's so intricate that the first couple years 
of an oak tree's existence, there's not much going on above ground. It doesn't look like much is even happening. But there's a lot going on underground. That root is going deep and spreading wide so that it can support the tree later on in life. And I thought, there you go. When I think about my own life, my own spiritual life, and the scripture that, that we look at this morning, scripture says that we are to be rooted, rooted. That taproot needs to go down deep. Those roots need to spread out wide in our life. That we need to be rooted in our faith deeply, deeply into who God is. Now I'm going to expect that some of you are experiencing a kind of spiritual burnout. And perhaps your faith got off to a great start and everything was wonderful and you, you thought, man, this is exactly what I needed. God is so good. He's been so faithful to me. And you got off to a roaring start and now you're having a hard time maybe finding your way or understanding exactly what your faith is about or what it means or you're struggling to understand what God's trying to do in your life. And my observation is that I think what happens is we, we, get, we tend to get ahead of the game. We get involved, we come to faith, and all of a sudden we think our life's supposed to look a certain way. And so we do all we need to do to make sure our life looks like everybody else around us. We say the right things, we do the right things, we find ourselves in the right place. And so we're, we're working on the top growth, what people can see. But there's not much happening underground. Exactly the opposite of what we see, what we see in that tree. The first couple years of that tree's life, that tree is rooted into the ground. It's going deep to find its nourishment. Not a lot of top growth, not a lot to see, but that person's going, that tree is going deep. And I think our problem is that we we work on what people see, and we haven't set our roots deep where they need to be. And it's an essential part of our faith. So how are we rooted? And what are we rooted on? And that's where this scripture, again, is reminding us that we need to continue in what we have learned, that our rooting, where we are rooted, is into the person of Jesus Christ and our knowledge of Him and our knowledge of God. If we're putting it anywhere else, we're not going to find the support uh, that we need. We're rooted in the person of Jesus and understanding of God. And that leads us to the third part of this, this growth process, and that's the idea of being built up and strengthened. These words in Greek are in the present tense. In the present tense, that means it's a continuous action. This is a continual process that I am continuing to be built up. I'm continuing to be strengthened. This is not a once and for all event that I say, okay, yeah, I went to that conference once, or I read that scripture once. This is something that's a continual process in my life. And I'm continuing to be built up. I'm continuing to be strengthened in my faith. And so it reminds us that our knowledge of Jesus comes through His Word. And that I'm strengthened in my faith as I interact with others. That I need a community around me. That I need a group of people around me that are encouraging me and helping me build my faith. I'm built up as I experience other people's walk of faith, as I'm hearing other people's stories and, and how their life has been changed. I need to hear that story. I need to hear what's happening in somebody else's life because it helps to strengthen my own faith. 
And my faith is strengthened as I serve, as I give, as I sacrifice, as I practice disciplines like prayer and Bible study. My faith is built up and strengthened. You see, God's goodness can't be just tasted like we would maybe lick on a popsicle or something like that. This is something that we've got to experience in a deep way. And in fact, Scripture is pretty good at reminding us of that very thing. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16 says this, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. David in Psalm 119 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. This is not something that we just toy at. This is something that's got to be the, the sustenance of our spiritual life, that, that God's word, that God's people provide the stability that we need in our life, that we are rooted on those very things. So that leads us to the third part of our growth transformation. We've talked about that we need to grow, we need, that we're born, that there's growth, and the third step is maturity. Maturity. What does maturity look like? This is the goal that we're aiming for. So what is this maturity? What am I, what am I uh, trying to become? As I, as I think about becoming a mature follower of Jesus Christ, what does that look like? Well, it's characterized by change, by transformation. I cannot and I must not stay the same. If my life looks the same as it did 15 years ago, spiritually, then I'm not growing, that I'm not, that I'm not allowing God to transform my life. Maturity is characterized by reproduction. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. Paul tells Timothy, These things that you've heard me say, you need to take it and trust them to other people that will follow me or follow Jesus as well. Maturity is characterized by reproducing this discipleship in somebody else. Maturity is characterized by looking more like Jesus. If you want to find Ephesians chapter 4, I'd like to read that this morning as we think about growing into maturity. Ephesians chapter 4, 14 through 16, I believe, gives us an illustration of what this growing to maturity looks like. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 14. Paul says this, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's a snapshot of what we're aiming for. When we think about growing into maturity, that we're looking more like Jesus, that we're more stable in our faith, that we're not subject to those that would lead us astray with some kind of teaching that is not of God, that stability is a mark of maturity. 
And I would invite you just real quick to flip over back to Colossians chapter 2, and we'll finish up with this. In Colossians chapter 2, the passage that we just read, we looked at 6 and 7. It talks about being rooted and built up, strengthened in our faith. But then in verse 8 of Colossians 2, he goes on to say this. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. As we think about growing towards maturity, there's this sense of which, you know what, I'm not going to look here or there or look for the newest, greatest thing. The answer for my life is that God, through Jesus Christ, has changed my life. He's transforming me into the person he wants me to be, and it allows me to experience life in its fullest. This is exactly how God wants us to experience life. Now, that sounds wonderful and good. We recognize that we walk into a world that thinks 180 degrees from that, don't we? That's not the way our coworkers think. That's not the way our neighbors always think. And so we're finding ourselves in this confrontation between wanting to follow Christ and recognize that I've got to go deep here and I'm going to face, when I walk out of this building into the world, I'm going to face people that feel differently. And that's why we need one another. We need to be encouraged. We need to be built up. We need to have the, the organic growth happening in our life where we have people around us encouraging us in our faith. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. So I'm going to invite our worship team to make their way up to the stage. And as they're coming and getting into place, I want to give you a little bit of a challenge this morning. Uh, something that you think about uh, not just as you're sitting here, but as you move through uh, the rest of your day. We've been talking about vision and stewardship. So when we think about stewardship of growth, we need to recognize that we live in a time where we have many opportunities to invest in growth, the growth of our spiritual lives. And God desires to interact with us. And he wants to bring results in our life. And he's given us his word. He's given us a church family. He's given us places that we can connect with him in a deeper way. But we have to be good stewards of this opportunity. It's one thing to say the things are there, but if we never take advantage of it, if we never invest in those resources, then we are not being good stewards of our spiritual life and our spiritual growth. So here's what I want you to think about this morning. Some of you take notes, so you've got a pencil already in your hand. You may even have your notes in your hand. Some of you are just going to have to do this in your brain. But I want you to think about a growth project for this, for this week out in front of you. What will you do to intentionally invest in your growth as a follower of Jesus? Now, what's that going to look like for you? It might be something related to being in the Word of God. For some of you, it might be, you know what, I'm pretty consistent there. I need to be a little bit more verbal about my faith. I need to talk to somebody about my faith. I don't know what that growth edge is going to be for you, but I'm going to ask you to consider what is it that you will do this week to put you on a growth path with God. Because this is what we have to do. This is not something that is going to happen just because we hope it will happen. It's, it's an intentional process. There's that preparation. There's that cultivation. There's that planting. There's that attention. 
we've got to pay attention to what's happening in our spiritual life. So I'm going to ask you to consider that, and we will re- revisit that uh, when we sit down um, next Sunday morning. We will look at that again. But this morning as we finish, we need to recognize and thank God for what he's doing in us. The fact that you're here, that you're here with God's people, that we're, that we're a church family together is an indication that God is doing something in our life. That we, that we find ourselves in a place where we say, you know what, something good happens here. This is a place where I get encouraged, where I get built up, where God is in the process of, of transforming me. And that's something to celebrate this morning. So I'm going to invite you as we finish this morning, we're going to sing a song that we've sung a few times called The Church is Alive. I think it's, a, it's an opportunity to celebrate what God is doing. So if you'd stand with me. And let's recognize the goodness of God and what he's doing in our life this morning. Hope erupting, darkness shaking, fear is rising.